This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. Today is a day of hope. As long as God exists, there is hope to be had. Catherine Kuhlman used to say, I believe in miracles because I believe in God. In fact, I've seen that written on her gravestone. I believe in miracles. And we believe in miracles, and I hope you believe in miracles today. I want you to have hope, no matter what you're facing, that Jesus is good, that he loves you, that he cares about you, that he takes care of his own, that he paid a price so that you can be healed. And so again, today, I'm going to talk to you about the, the desire of Jesus to heal you, the desire of Jesus to use your life to bring healing to others. You say, well, I'm, I'm good. I don't need any healing of any kind. Well, I think that's awesome if you don't. But let me just remind you that Jesus is interested in healing your stubbed toe and he's interested in healing the most fatal disease. Uh, remember, I think maybe you've heard me say this before. He healed Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. That's how I know Jesus loves to heal the sick, because he healed a mother-in-law. And that was only of a fever. And he raised Lazarus from the grave. Look, a fever doesn't seem like a very big deal unless it's yours. And being raised from the dead is pretty sick. If you're sick, you're pretty if you're dead, you're pretty sick, I should say. So Jesus heals it all. I mean, he heals everything, all of that, everything in between. And so have hope today. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the touch of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the presence of the Lord. We thank you for the promise of the Word of God that we can stand on no matter what we're facing. Let God be true and every man a liar. No matter what we're facing, you are true in Jesus' name. We love you. We love you. Oh, don't you just love telling him you, you love him? Can we do that again? Just say, Lord, I love you. Jesus, we love you. We want you to feel our love. We want you to know our love. And you want to feel our love and know our love. So we want, we want you to know we love you. Take your Bibles. Look at, at Psalm 107, verse 20. It's a very, very familiar. And you're going to hear pages turning and all this, this is not a uh, very scripted, produced time together. This is a very organic time together. Um, this is a Bible study. And so I'm here with the scriptures in front of me. And we're going to go through them together. But I don't know where you're listening. This might be in your car. You might be in your office. You might be believing for somebody to be healed. You may be believing to be free in your mind. You may be suffering from lack of sleep or depression, whatever that might be, this is for you. Psalm 107, verse 20. It says, He sent His word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. I'll say that again. He sent His word and healed them and rescued them from the grave. The word of God carries healing power. And so I'm going to give you a ton of scripture today. 
as we talk about the healing power of God. I want you to be convinced according to the word that it is God's desire to heal you. So that was Psalm 107 verse 20. He sent his word and healed them and rescued them from the grave. You might be listening to my voice and might be on the brink of death. And you know in your heart God has promised you a life, a long life and a healthy life. The word of God can rescue from the rescue you from the grave right now. So Jesus does not only heal, he is healing. And I've been walking with the Lord since 1989. I was born again in an atmosphere for miracles there with my father-in-law. And I've seen literally tens of thousands of healings. I'm convinced more I'm convinced now more than ever that God is good. Hebrews 1 verse 3 tells us this, that Jesus, He, Jesus, is the express image of God. That means Jesus is God's will in a body. He is the perfect representation of the will of the Father. So much so, Philip Philip asked him, Lord, will you show us the Father? And Jesus said, Philip, don't you understand when you've seen me, you've seen the Father? So if you can't find it in Jesus, it's not of God. If you can't find it in Christ, it's not Christianity or Christianity. Remember, if it's not about Jesus, it's not about Christianity. He is the center. He is the source. He is the beginning. And he is the end. He's the subject. He's the means. He's everything in between. He's the one who empowers us to preach him. And he is the one we're preaching. So it's just an amazing truth. Jesus is, is our all in all. And if you can't find it there, you don't want it. Okay? Now, I want to share some scriptures with you that have personally lifted me when I had some very scary symptoms and went through a very difficult time in my life. Where fear had gripped me. You know, when a negative report comes, fear grips you. It begins to steamroll your mind. And the fear itself is worse than the symptoms. But let's listen to what the word says in Hebrews 4 verse 12. That the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is the discerner of thoughts and the intents of our heart. The word of God is so powerful. Number one, it's alive. It is quick. It is sharp. It divides our thoughts. It pierces even dividing soul and spirit. In other words, we become aware of the triune nature of our being, that God created us, body, soul, and spirit. And we become aware of what feeds the soul, what's touching the soul, what we're operating in, what realm we're operating in, whether it's a soulish realm or a spirit. The Word of God is like this holy scalpel that can even divide that. And think of that for a moment. The, the, the Spirit of the Lord, we can't see. In our soul, we cannot see. We can see our body. But imagine how united they must be if we're one. Yet they are separate. We know that. But the Word of God can, can divide that. Now Jesus said, My words are spirit and they are life. In other words, the Holy Spirit mingles himself with the spoken words of Jesus. He carries them our way. He makes them audible because he is breath. You cannot hear 
or speak. You can't hear somebody speaking unless they release breath. And they cannot speak to you unless they're breathing. So when the Lord speaks, you heard you, you, you learned about this in, in one of my prior podcasts on the Word and Spirit. So, let's get into the Word here and begin to enjoy these scriptures as they build your faith so that you can stand like a rock and claim your healing and, or claim that, that miracle for somebody else that you know. Genesis 20, verse 17, I want to dismantle the myth that the healing power of God showed up in the book of Matthew. And after that, we'll dismantle the myth that God is done healing because we're no longer in the first century. Genesis 20, verse 17. Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants, and they bore children. Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants, and they bore children. Okay? Abraham, the servant of the Lord, prayed, and Abimelech, this is Genesis 20, verse 17, God healed him and his wife, and they began to have children. If you're barren, if you can't have children... There is hope. There is hope. Don't you give up. I've seen too many people get pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't you dare give up. If God did it when Abraham prayed for Abimelech, he'll do it for you. We're under a better covenant. Exodus 2, verse 23-26, And it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. And then the children of Israel groaned because of their bondage. And they cried out. That's prayer. And their cry came up to God because of the bondage. They were in bondage. Sickness is a bondage. So God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham. 400 years prior, God established this covenant with Abraham. And when the children of Israel began to cry out and groan, God remembered their covenant, his covenant with Abraham. How faithful is the Lord to remember his covenant with one man that he would deliver a nation because of his covenant with one man. You talk about a friend. You talk about a faithful friend. You talk about a, a God of covenant. He would rather, look, he said, I honor my word above my own name. And God gave his word to Abraham he risked his name. He refused to go back on his word and think of everything God did to deliver the children of Israel. Why? Because he made a covenant with Abraham that his descendants would be like the stars in the sky and that one day they would live in the promised land flowing with milk and honey. Over 400 years later, God heard the cry of the children of Israel. My friend, when you cry out to God, God remembers his covenant. Not just his covenant with you, but his covenant with his son. The covenant of his son. It's a greater covenant than the covenant that God made with Abraham. And a greater covenant that God made on Sinai. Jesus paid for this covenant in his own blood. Not the blood of a heifer or a goat or an animal or some uh, other offering. But that the blood of God, the spotless blood of God, was poured out, was sacrificed... And that covenant 
was so honored that it was sealed with the Spirit. You'll know the authority of a covenant, the value of a covenant, and the trustworthiness of a covenant based on the seal and the validity and honesty of the one who's making it, the one who signs his name. Well, I'm here to tell you the Father signed his name in the blood of his Son and sealed the document, you know the seal, like in an ancient document, they'd roll it up in a scroll, bind the document with a seal, and that seal would have an insignia, a signature on it, an emblem, that would let anybody know who was carrying that document, who it came from. And if it came from a king, it had the entire weight of the king behind that document. The king put his own life, his own word, his own life, his reputation behind that document. And that is what Jesus did when he died for us. Our covenant is greater than a document. He is the covenant. Jesus is the covenant. That's Isaiah 49. I will give you as a covenant unto them. He's the covenant. So how eternal is our covenant? Well, as eternal as Jesus. How faithful is our covenant? As faithful as Jesus. How do we know? Who sealed it? How do I know I can count on it? God himself, the Holy Spirit. What was it written in? The blood of Jesus, the the spotless Lamb of God. So in Exodus 2, the children of Israel cry out, and God hears their groaning and remembers his covenant. Today, as you cry out, Father, heal me, touch me, set me free, God remembers his covenant. The covenant with Jesus. Exodus 12, verses 12 through 13. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night. This is the great Passover night. And will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. I'm going to read that again. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. The Israelites that night, that dark Passover night, Exodus chapter 12, the Lord gave them instructions to eat the lamb, a lamb for every house, speaking of Jesus. I don't have time to get into this teaching, but you know what I think? I'll in, in, in just a few weeks, I'll teach on Exodus chapter 12 and the, the types and shadows in Exodus chapter 12 that point to the Lord. So the Lord actually tells them, take blood. And I want you to take that blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lentil. The lentil is the top of the door frame. The two doorposts, that's the sides of the door frame, and the lentil. That's the shape of the cross, smeared in the blood. I'm telling you, the Father was so excited to get the message of the cross out. He did it in Genesis when he wrapped Adam and Eve in animal skins after they sinned. What was he saying? What did he wrap them in? Blood. What was the animal? Probably a lamb. Most believe, I personally believe, it was probably a lamb that God killed and put animal skins. What would the the interior of the animal skins be covered in? The blood of the lamb. Blood. It was speaking that one day, that was after he released that great prophecy that Jesus would crush the head of the devil, but his heel would be, would be bruised. And here we see the same thing happening. 
In Exodus 12, he's painting the picture of the blood of Jesus here. And he says, put the blood on the two doorposts and the lintel, that's the shape of the cross, and the and death will pass over you. My friend, if you are covered by the blood of Jesus, if you are his, what did that blood say on the on that doorpost that night? It said that these people belong to Jehovah. That that death had to pass over. That was the Father's way of saying, They are mine. I am in covenant with them. And while they were in the home, they partook of the Lamb. I want to encourage you. Begin to exalt the cross and feast on the Lamb and understand that you are God's, that you belong to Him. What a crazy time to be alive in so many ways. We just got hit with one hurricane. There's storms all over the place. There are fires in California, earthquake in Mexico, terrorism in London. Look, that the world is, it's, it's, it's crying out for the manifestation of the sons of God. Yeah, it's happening. Is it scary sometimes? We don't have to lose our peace. Jesus told us not to be afraid. He said these things would happen. Is it God doing them? No. What's the only answer? The gospel, pure revival. But you see the world going nuts. Man, don't worry. The doorpost of our heart, the doorpost of our lives, even though there's death out there, it will not come your way. That's what Psalm 91 says. A thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it shall not come near you. It shall not come near you. It shall not come near you. Remember, you are under the blood. I love the words of the Father. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you. The plague, the sickness that you're experiencing, is not yours. It is not yours. Exodus 15, verse 26. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His sight and give ear to His commandments and keep all His statutes, I will put none of the diseases on on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, by you leaning into his word right now, by you giving attention to his word and promises, you have access to the healing power of God. And I love how the Lord closes out this passage. I am the Lord who heals you. That is how the Lord introduced himself to Israel. They had passed through the Red Sea and his first introduction was this, I am the Lord who heals you. And now all of these sick, I want you to know if you're ever sick, come to me for healing. I am the Lord who heals you. Aren't you glad it doesn't say I'm the Lord who healed you? Aren't you glad it doesn't say I'm the Lord who will heal you someday? He is healing. I am the Lord who heals you right now. As you're sitting there and you feel something in your heart leap, you feel faith stirring and faith available. You feel the presence of God come on you. Don't wait till I'm done. Don't wait for the prayer. Remember what the Bible says? He sent his word and he healed them. I read that to you earlier. Psalm 107, verse 20. He sent out his word and healed them and rescued them from the grave. As I'm literally teaching the scriptures, you can be healed. Exodus 23, 
verses 25 and 26. Worship the Lord your God, and His blessing will be on your food and water. Worship protects your food. Think of that for a moment. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and have a Coke and then sing a song and believe God that that Coke won't be bad for you or to go eat at some fast food joint and, you know, sing a worship song over your, your, your happy meal every day and be alarmed that you have heart disease and that you've gained 40 pounds. The answer is not you singing more songs over your french fries. It's being responsible. But the, the, the point is, worship, a life of worship, a life of obedience, actually brings blessing on the food and water. It, 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 would, it would unleash the blessing of the Lord on the crops, in other words, the quality of the food and the amount of it, and kept the water pure. And look at, look at the next statement here. Uh, I will take sickness from among you. Uh, and lifestyle of worship creates a lifestyle of health. I will take sickness away from you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. Barrenness and miscarriage leave in the manifest presence of Jesus in a life that worships him. That is his promise to you. Now, please don't fall into guilt and condemnation if you've suffered miscarriage. I have a friend who just went through that. It's horrible. Did they do anything wrong? No. But this is the promise of the Lord, that in the atmosphere of the presence of God, that comes by worship, that there's blessing on food and water. He takes sickness away. You know, there's a higher realm than healing. It's called health. You can so be in the presence of God, as Moses was on Mount Sinai, that his face began to shine. And the Bible says he died with perfect eyesight. Why? Because he was in the Shekinah glory of the Lord. This place also not only keeps sickness away, it keeps miscarriage away, and barrenness leaves the land. Barrenness leaves the land, leaves those around you. And God will fulfill the number of your days. And God will literally fulfill a long life. That's his promise. Exodus 23, verses 25 and 26. Numbers 16, verses 46 through 48. So Moses said to Aaron, Take a censer and put fire in it from the altar, put incense on it, and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them, for wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. And Aaron took it as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly, and already the plague had begun among the people. So he put in the incense and made atonement for the people, and he stood between the dead and the living and so the, pl the plague was stopped. This is so amazingly powerful. I want to dig into this a little more deeply. And then I'm going to pray. And we're going to trust the Lord for incredible healings. You know, the nature of Jesus, once we discover his ways, we begin to understand what he's like, what he does, how he does these things, what triggers certain emotions in him, what, how his mind works. The Bible actually says that we have the mind of Christ. And that, that, that's our inheritance. And we, we step into this, this life and we're literally invited into the, the, the ways of the Lord. We begin to see what this person is like. I think that's incredible, personally. But I want you to 
I want you to think of this for a moment. Why, why, did, why did the Lord have to... Why did Moses have to, have to uh, burn the incense? Let, let's read that again. Worship... I'm sorry. Moses said to Aaron, Take a censer and put fire in it from the altar. Put incense on it and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. What, what, what do these things represent? Remember, there is not a wasted word in the scriptures. What birthed the need for this healing? Rebellion. Look at verse 1 of chapter 16 in the book of Numbers. I want all of you to get your Bibles if you can. If you can't, if you're driving, don't get your Bible. Just trust me. It's right here. Verse 1 of chapter 16. Now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, with Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and, and the son of Pelet, sons of Reuben, took men, and they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel. 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. These were respected men. They gathered together against Moses and said to them, You take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly? Ah, this is so dangerous. Man, I see this all the time. People see God do a few things. People see God use them a little bit never realizing who God used to to get them in that position. And pride begins to creep up. And that pride begins to sound a little something like this. Well, God talks to me too. Well, who do you think you are? Look, look, Look what Korah was saying here. You think you're the only one who hears from God, Moses? The entire congregation is holy. You're not the only one who's set apart. We're all set apart. Who do you think you are? You know, and in a way he was right, but in a way he was really wrong. You see, honor is always walking hand in hand with gratitude. People with short memories are typically ungrateful. Well, let, let, let me rephrase it. A short memory can breed a lack of gratitude and dishonor. I have a list in my Bible, a thank you list, and I write down everyone I'm thankful for. And I owe so much of my life to people who've gone before me. And it goes way back. To be honest with you, for all of you who know Jesus... It goes way back all the way to Jesus, through the apostles and to him. But I look at my life, for instance. I think of, man, where would I be if God hadn't raised up uh, Mariah Woodworth Eder, who would inspire women preachers like an Amy Simple McPherson, who inspired a Catherine Kuhlman, who would inspire a Benny Hinn, and who would inspire me to get my healing and my breakthrough and introduce me to Jesus and set me free of a fear of speaking and and give my life meaning. 
people say, man, why do you go out of your way so much to talk about what people have done in your life? Because I, I, I feel like I owe them, and I do. But the opposite of that is to think that, man, well, I've got this, you know, I'm, I'm seeing people healed. I preached a few messages, and I know what I'm doing. I mean, I'm, I'm man, God's really using me now. I, oh, man, it's such a dangerous trap. And what it begins to do is question the relationship that somebody who paid a price to get their breakthrough, which ultimately became this person's breakthrough, you begin to question their walk with God. You begin to exalt your own and question theirs. God's not cool with that because that mindset also forgets the fact that God has favorites. I know that's a hard one. I didn't say he's a respecter of persons. I don't say, I'm not saying he shows partiality. What I, say, what I mean by favorites, well, well, let me say it like this. He has people, and, and there are people who are closer to God than others. There are people who can get an answer from God quicker than others. There are people who have accessed the heart of God more than others. There are people that God will share things with that he won't share with others. And I'm not talking about the church and the unchurched. I'm talking about within the church. And so to attack people in their walk with God is to attack the intimate holy chamber, the bedroom of the king. It's to attack the most intimate, holy, beautiful chamber that Song of Solomon speaks about. It's a dangerous thing, and God wasn't cool with it. And the Bible says here that the plague struck. But I love the heart of Moses in verse 4. Moses heard it, he fell on his face, and he spoke to Korah and all the company, saying, Tomorrow morning the Lord will show you who is his and who is holy, and will cause him to come near to him. And that when he does, he will cause some to come near to him. He will cause to come near to him. Do this, take censors, Korah, and call your company. In other words, he challenges him. And what happens is a plague hits the camp, and God, in his mercy, through Moses' intercession, God is open to stopping the plague. And this is what Moses tells Aaron to do. Take the censer. The censer speaks of, it was a golden censer. It speaks of a life of prayer. Put fire in it. It speaks of a heart of prayer. Put fire in it. That's a fire of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Take the fire from the altar. Where's that fire come from? The power of the cross. The altar speaks of the cross. The fire of the Holy Spirit that falls on the altar of the cross. Let it touch our hearts. Then he says, put incense on it. What does that speak of? Worship and intercession. Incense is the character of God. And that burning incense is the character of God flowing into the atmosphere through fire, through fiery coals going up. And the Bible says, take it into the congregation and make atonement for them. In other words, cover their sin through this life of prayer and worship. Cry out for them through a life of prayer and worship. Run into the sick camp. And, and make atonement and cover this. For wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. And Aaron took it, as Moses commanded, ran into the midst of the assembly. And already the plague had begun among the people. So he put in the incense and made atonement for the people. Now look, I don't believe God makes you sick. 
but I do believe this. You rebel and attack people, sickness can come your way. I don't want to get into all the details. I can just say he's a good father. He is not in the business of making us sick. But you can certainly open yourself up to sickness through stupidity, through lack of honor, through words against people that are not repented of, through bitterness. You got to let it go. You got to let it go and weigh your words wisely. And the Bible says here, he put in the incense and made atonement for the people. And this is the part I love. And he stood between the dead of the, and the living and the plague was stopped. Look, we've got to stand between the dead and the living. It's time that we rise up in faith and say enough sickness in the church, enough sickness in the world. We are servants of Jesus who will stand between the dead of the living, lifting the censer, lifting a heart, lifting the cross with fire burning on it and saying enough, and we see the plague stopped. God is looking for men and women to stand between the dead and the living. And so right now we do that. We do that if you're listening and you're sick and you need a miracle. The greatest miracle is to come to Jesus. You need to come to Jesus right now. I'm standing between the dead and the living right now and offering the word of God. Come to the Lord. Come to Jesus. He'll wash your sin away. That's what the Bible says. that The wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. Hear me, friend. You have to earn death because it's a wage. The wages of sin are death, but the gift of God. See, you receive life, you earn death. I'll say that again. You earn death, you receive this eternal life. It's Jesus. He is eternal life. So right now, just why don't you just receive him and say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sin. You're the Lord of my life. I choose to follow you. You died on a cross for me. and You've been raised from the dead. You are the Son of God. Come into my heart. Thank you, Jesus. See, that's the greatest miracle. But right now, I also want to pray for those who are listening, who are, who are sick in body. I rebuke that sickness in Jesus' name. I'll take my authority and stand between the dead and the living right now. And in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is Lord over sickness, who is Lord over depression, who is Lord over anxiety, who is Lord over worry, who is Lord over lack, who is Lord over all of these things that have come from the pit of hell, and we rebuke them right now. I rebuke them in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, I worship you as that holy incense goes up now in the atmosphere. And the plague stops in every life listening. Every pain. Every, 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 every bondage in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, we love you. Be sure to, uh, to come see us at Jesus Conference, September 27 through 30. The most amazing people, my favorite people in the world are going to be there. You want to be there. That's uh, September 27 through 30. Uh, Jesus17.com, September 27 through 30. Jesus17.com to register. The nights are open for free, but you want to come to the whole thing. So you still need to register, even if you're coming in the evening, but you want to come to the whole thing. Both of those options are available at Jesus17.com. We're going to be hitting the streets for outreach uh, in, in groups. You can register for that. We'd love for, to have you. If you'd like to volunteer, please volunteer. And then also, we'll have the healing rooms open from Bethel Reading. If you need a miracle, you come. You come in faith. If you, if you know somebody who needs to get saved or get healed, get them there. 
Okay, it would be amazing to see you. Be sure to follow me on Facebook uh, at Jesus Image and at Michael Kulianos. You can follow me on Instagram at Michael Kulianos. Follow me on Twitter at M And also, please be sure to partner with us. Would you please consider becoming a monthly partner, a covenant partner with us? It helps us do this. It helps us take the gospel to the nations of the world. I just looked at my schedule, and it is absolutely packed over the next uh, 18 months. We're taking our Jesus events around the country and are actually praying about taking them overseas at some point. Um, I'm preaching in Europe this year. Um, just all over. It's going to be an amazing, amazing time. So we're going. I'm asking you: Would you partner with us? Would you consider? You can start as low as five dollars a month. If maybe you're able to do more, whatever you can do, it helps us take the gospel to the nations. We love you, and talk to you next time. Bye bye. To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950-640, Lake Mary, Florida, 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.